welcome to the NOLA Drink Show. Join us as we explore the world of drink, food, and culture in New Orleans and beyond. Here's your host, Brian Diaz. All right, everybody. Hey, welcome to the NOLA Drink Show. Brian Diaz here with you. Thanks for joining me, friends, here on the program. I guess I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Happy holidays to everybody out there. And I do really mean that. Happy holidays. But let me digress a little bit. So yesterday, uh, I was having a a drink at the uh, fine bar and restaurant that opened up not all that long ago, a few months ago in the Bywater called Justini. Shout out to them. Shout out to uh, my new friend and the bartender there, Alex. Great hospitality. Wandered in there for the first time because I was getting my hair cut, as I often do, along with my wife at Fifi Mahoney's in the Bywater. Shout out to them. Shout out to Jade Thanners, who uh, does our hair. And Jade's been a friend of ours for a long time. And uh, yeah, so what happened was, is I got my hair finished because my hair doesn't take that long to do. My wife's takes a little bit longer. So what I like to do is I like to wander off and go hit a watering hole there in the neighborhood. And uh, yeah, so this time I had never been into Justini's and they were open. So I popped over there and it was great. Really had a good time and uh, nice folks in there and so on and so forth. Uh, But then my wife, Sylvia and Jade came over after my wife's hair was done and we had a drink and I probably won't see Jade until after the holidays are over unless I run into her in town somewhere, Um, you know, because that's when my next hair appointment is. And so when Jade was getting ready to leave, we were kind of discussing that. And I said, Happy holidays. And I said, hmm, or I didn't say, I thought to myself, hmm, because I'm that person. Yeah, I'm going to be a little grouchy, a little scroogey here is that, uh, you know, I don't like seeing Christmas decorations before Halloween. Okay, I'm that guy. I don't really like seeing Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving, but I guess that's the world we live in now. I guess the world we live in now is Christmas decorations in like August or something. And, you know, I just don't want to see it that early. And so I felt kind of weird saying happy holidays because we're not even to Thanksgiving and the Thanksgiving week yet. But I guess that's just sort of the reality of things. So anyway, after all that Scroogeness, all that Grinchness, I'm going to say happy holidays to you out there. And thanks for being a supporter of the NOLA Drink Show. Friends got a really good show this time around. Been angling to bring you this one for a little while. Now, both of these guests that we have coming up here uh, have been on the show more than once individually, but never collectively and that kind of leads me to something we're talking to neil bodenheimer and kirk Estopanol of cure co and uh, as neil reminds us during the interview cure co is not cure company it is cure collective and it is the very fine hospitality group of course that operates numerous places in new orleans as well as a place in washington dc uh the flagship i guess you could say or the original one is probably a better way to put it is cure so As I said, I've had Kirk on before, I've had Neil on before, but never, ever had him in the same place at the same time. And this is all kind of fitting because um, one of their other spots, Caden Table, the very fine establishment in the French Quarter, uh, is getting ready to celebrate its 10th anniversary here coming up pretty quick in a couple weeks. And Cure, as a matter of fact, is turning 15 next year. So it seems like really kind of seems like just a great excuse, if you will, or a great reason to bring those guys together and sort of talk about how they got things going, how they met, uh, how CureCo started, uh, how they got things off the ground with Cure itself, uh, sort of the journey of how these uh, hospitality spots that they operate exist in the New Orleans landscape. And then again, kind of digressing back to Cure, how Cure started out. It was kind of a different concept here in the city. And then all the way along with this journey about how Cure has become, as well as their other establishments, uh, nationally and internationally recognized as the very fine 
cocktail bars and in some cases restaurants that they are. So really cool um, just to get a, just a kind of an open-ended chat with those guys about the history of Curco. That's pretty much what it boils down to, friends. But it's a lot of fun. We have a lot of laughs. We talk about how the industry has changed over the years and a lot more. We tape this over at Cure. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a little break here on the program. Just a brief musical interlude, as I like to say. And then we're going to be chatting with Neil and Kirk from Curco. Come on back. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Brian Diaz here with you. Thanks for listening into the NOLA Drink Show, friends. Happy to have you here, as always. And as you know, happy to be here at one of my favorite places, sitting with two good friends, Kirk Stopinall and Neil Bodenheimer, the co-founders of CureCo, the fine hospitality group. And uh, guys, it's great to see you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having yeah. us, man. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we, we, we've talked, we've, we're talking about this as we were putting this one together, guys, that like you both have been on the show more than once. We were trying to figure out exactly for each of you how many times, uh, but never together. I think that's true. And so I think it's just a great opportunity. We have some things we'll get to talking about landmarks coming up for some of your um, hospitality spaces, but just a good time to get together, maybe a, uh, wax poetic and philosophical about the uh, bar industry cocktail industry your shared history it's probably as fun for us as it is for you because because we kind of kirk kirk lives downtown and i live uptown and we sometimes it feels like we're on the other end of the earth from each sure other so yeah it's nice to be in the same room yeah you know it's, it's actually really funny neil that you say that because i was trying to think about other than maybe like a Tales of the Cocktail once or twice. I know when you guys um, opened the upstairs at Cane and Table, you had an mm-hmm. event that we were at. But I'm trying to even think of at times, the Cure 10-year anniversary, yeah. uh, that I've seen you guys both together in the same space. I rarely yeah. see you together. Yeah. It's a handful of yeah. times. I mean, I mean, that's kind of part of how it always works is that we kind of work. We work independently, and then we come and we check back together. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that's kind of part of the secret of our success in some ways. Agreed. And you, you're saying that you still like each other then? Yeah. 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 <laughs> we actually, you know, we like, actually do. It's, just, it's a long run, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, I, honestly, like, I don't know too many people um, that have been, like, in business together as long as we have and haven't had, like, a lot of blow-ups or big mm-hmm. problems, you know, I think. But I think it is true that we basically are very good at, like, understanding our own lanes and kind of staying out of the other person's lane, you know? Okay. Um, and it works out well. Well, let's start there, guys, because I think that's an interesting story. Like we were talking about before we uh, started taping that Cure is going to be celebrating its uh, 15th anniversary here pretty quick. Correct. Cane and Table is going to be celebrating its 10-year anniversary. It already, it already is. It already is. Yeah, okay, yeah. right, right. It started so, in July. Oh, July, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do we count the, the year of Perestroika or the non-year no. of Perestroika? No, okay, no. just Cane and we Table. We opened as Cane and Table... Um, <laughs> Like a Thursday of Tales, I believe, or a Wednesday. It was, of it, Tales. It, I think it was just before Tales, and then it, we rolled into Tales. Yeah, which was really stupid, but yeah. really amazing too. Yeah. I remember actually going into Canon Table that year uh, of Tales, and I, I forget what it, it was a, a brand event. I don't even no, remember whose brand event. We did event. a Dead Rabbit. Um, that was kind of like the first thing was we that? did during Tales. We did a Dead Rabbit takeover. Okay, uh, and they put like sawdust on the floors yep. and all that stuff and it was like very stressful it, it was mayhem <laughs> it was absolute in, in, mayhem yeah, it was in the mayhem. power i mean that building is so old and we were you know we basically refurbed it i mean that building yeah. is so much nicer today than it was 10 years ago oh my God. Mm-hmm. and I, I remember we were 
I was working the the breaker box to keep <laughs> not, like the music keep would the shut off, can, turn it back on. <laughs> Twenty minutes later, the music, the lights turn off, click them back on. <laughs> but the breaker there had like four fuses back then. Like we had to like add an entire like electrical system to that building over the years. It is. It really is incredible. Uh, I I'm not even sure if we would recognize Cannon Table if we went in if we if we could go back in time and we went in. We went in ten years ago. Yeah, I think we'd be like, "Oh my god!" Like, think about all the stuff we've done here, uh, I, and it I, doesn't I, always yeah. feel like it. But we've done so much to that building. I, I think about it sometimes. Like, I hate to think about how much dollars went into that mm-hmm. building over the last ten years. It's a lot. It's, but the it's reality absurd. is, is that we didn't put a lot of dollars in on the front end. Correct. Is Correct. that we were we were we didn't know we were worried about it. We were like really playing it safe, and and then as we've gotten more comfortable down there we were like oh well this is a place that we really do want to be for a long time Mm -hmm. and then we started reinvesting into the space and you know we don't want it to be candid table will never be pristine right it's just not the it's not in its dna it's also like not what people it doesn't need to be right right (laughs) no it's but it's you know we always say it it's like a movie set right it's like when the lights go down that place is like pure magic Mm -hmm. yeah when you, when you sit at the bar, and I, I really like when it's sundown or kind of twilight time, mm-hmm. and you look out to the back patio, which is really nice with all the vegetation out there, and there's certain times of year there's a great light that you see, and the way the light kind of glows into mm-hmm. the bar itself, and then what the patio looks like, mm-hmm. it's a really, really yeah. cool look. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's magical. I mean, the staircase is like probably the most photographed thing in that building. Like yeah. everyone that goes there takes a picture up into the staircase. Mm-hmm. It's just got a lot of that. I mean, we're just really lucky to find a place that didn't require a lot of work to deliver a very specific thing. And Matt did a really good job of being like, this is how far to move it to get it where it went. You mm-hmm. know? Okay. As yeah. one of our partners. I mean. Yeah. 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 And it, it, you know, it's, it, it's interesting because I remember going into that space as a kid. Right, it was Genie Courtyard Grill, yeah. and I had my first glass of wine there as a as a kid. In which is it's really tough to admit on this show, but it was a, a glass of White Zinfandel as a <laughs> as a teenager. And you so, didn't know better. Yeah, no, but it's still. I think it's hilarious that today that we're still involved in that. In For that, sure, in that location, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, and no white Zinfandel to be found anywhere. No, no, menu. yeah. I mean, I think Kirk may keep one on the back for me. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, let, you guys, let's let's roll back a little bit yeah. um, to to the beginning of Cure, uh, fifteen or so years ago, and we were talking. And you guys, we, we we've talked about this uh, on the air. We've talked about this a little bit off the air. Just you know, sidebars when we're hanging out. When you guys started Cure, it's a few years removed from the, as I like to say, the so-called cocktail renaissance attributed to people, and, and rightfully so, credit due where you know where it's yeah. due to people like mm-hmm. Dale DeGroff and so on in New York in 1999, 2000. 100%. Yeah. And so not, not taking anything away, but this is where I'm going with this, is that you opened up Cure in a landscape that is New Orleans that you know one could easily argue is the original craft cocktail city on the planet. I think it's a pretty much a slam dunk on that one. What was your thought process? And maybe tell us a little bit how you two came together. And then what was your thought process about opening this bar? And like, how aware were you of the landscape? I know you're aware of the New Orleans landscape, but, you know, kind of as you took in the big picture of what's happening locally and then what's happening nationally and internationally, kind of what were you all thinking? I mean, I think it's probably the best way to go about this is for each of us kind of to tell the story. Okay. Because it's a little our backgrounds are a little different yeah, right? right. And, and we were introduced by a common friend. So, yeah. so I'll let Kirk go first. 
Okay, yeah. So, uh, I mean, you know, uh, the New Orleans angle is obvious, right? Um, everyone that grew up here knows a little bit of cocktail history. It's just part of like living here and having like the sort of culinary history that we all share. We all understand that, right? It's really what makes, you know, it's, it's, it's what culture is. It's like the unsaid things that, that kind of exist that make the New Orleans culture a thing, right? And, and like whether or not you delved into Sazerac's or not, you kind of have heard of it or knew it existed. It's in right? your vicinity yeah, at all yeah, times, right? It, okay. it exists, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that for me, like it was always there. But honestly, like, you know, I worked in like a corporate restaurant group um, for a long time. And um, I never thought of it in a artistic manner or a like, creative endeavor or it was literally like a restaurant and that was here yeah 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 yeah. um and it was a fine job and i worked there for a long time and um, hurricane katrina came and uh i had an opportunity to leave um my wife was offered a transfer with her job and basically the choices were new york or chicago um i knew that I really would have liked to go to New York, but I also understood the boundaries of moving to New York and how I would probably experience less of New York than I would hope to by moving there, because um, I knew I would just be working, right? And uh, I had a good friend of mine, like one of my best friends growing up was in Chicago, I had been there for years. Um, Turk, who is like now one of the partners in Vows, had lived there, um, and our good friend Josh and Charlie lived there. There was basically already a sort of like friend group. So we, we went there. Um, and I basically hit the ground, no job, my, like my red cross check and my grocery money. And like, <laughs> that was about it, you know? Um, and we, uh, but basically I was like, I need a job. My friend Charlie was like, we'll come down to this restaurant. So I went down to this restaurant, um, and I met, uh, this guy, Terry Alexander, uh, and our chef, uh, Andrew Zimmerman. Uh, so they were like, how many other New Orleans friends do you have? We'll give you a job, right? So we were like, took jobs, right? And like, it wasn't anything great. It was like a food running job to start there. But I worked at this really great um, Spanish restaurant. Uh, amazing chef, amazing ownership. Um, and they had another partner that was kind of in the club business, and he basically stole all the cash deposits for like the first nine months. Oh, wow. No cash ever hit the bank. So we all found out when all of our checks bounced one day and they were like, okay, we're closing this restaurant. Um, in the, on the side, Terry was like, hey, I, you know, I, I really like you. He's like, he basically went out to the couple people that, that worked there that he was like, thought would be good for this new idea. And it was like, hey, I'm working on this cocktail concept with this guy, Toby Maloney. Um, he used to work for me as an oyster shucker at a restaurant down the street, like in the 89 or whatever. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, and he's like, <laughs> where do you go to New York and check out these bars? And just tell me if you're interested. So I was like, okay. So I went to New York and I went to like Moby's Tea Shop and like uh, Death and Company and uh, Pegu Club and you know those the the basically like the legendary spots in, in this time. And was like, it was cool. And then I went to uh, Milk and Honey, and I had like a ma- miraculously amazing experience there at the bar. And, um, and Kirk, so and that yeah. was sort of like opened a lot of doors into the cocktail world that you didn't even know existed. Yeah, 2006. Okay. Like, okay. no yeah. idea this existed. Mm-hmm. Literally, like, never thought of this concept. You know, it was like maybe in a movie from the 30s, right? But, like, walking into Milk and Honey and having an experience there was very, like, eye-opening to me, and I was like, I'm really engaged by this, right? 
So I came back to Chicago and was like, I'm interested. And then, you know, we, I had to work somewhere else for a while. That was terrible. And, uh, <laughs> then I got, I finally went and got trained for the violet hour is what it was. Um, and it was a really amazing thing, like a really cool group of people that were all interested in this thing. The training was really in depth. Uh, at the time it was like, you know, I, you could explain it to people, but everybody was like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, like, I'm like, I'm going to do this bar and it's like crazy drink. And there was like, who cares? Right. Um, I mean, now you could just read it in Toby's book. Right. right exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, but it was cool and I really enjoyed it. And I found, um, I don't know, I had an aptitude for it. I just kind of immediately, it made sense to me. Uh, the group I worked with was very open creatively, uh, and the ownership really got out of our way and let us kind of rebuild our own ideas from the, what they gave us, right? And it was really awesome, magical place. Uh, but then I had to move back to New Orleans. So I came back home, and um, to be fair, right at the end of that, Toby and Jason, who were the partners at, at the Violet Hour uh, on the cocktail end, um, helped me become a consultant for a restaurant group. Uh, I worked for this, I worked at a restaurant that was really great, uh, as a server, because it was like, it just, I made amazing money there. Uh, and they were like, kind of like, tell us about this cocktail thing, you know? So they ended up hiring me. And they, the, those guys really helped me, gave me a proposal, explained to me like what it really meant to do that work, not just like, here's a menu and go, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I did that work and it was an amazing experience for me there. So I was like, well, I'll move back to New Orleans and I'll see, maybe I can do that somewhere else, you know? Um, and I went to some restaurants here, the like known chef restaurants, and they were like, I got a guy, he makes Sazeracs, I don't give a shit about what you do. You know right, what I mean? Right. It was really like, got, I was like, Kendall oh. Jackson on the wine list, we're good. I mean, these we're are good. like, you know, like people that I respect, you know, but I was like, they, they wouldn't remember. Some, of them, some had some nice wine. Yeah, they, they were like, they were that. just like, nah, what the fuck are you talking about? Why would I pay you to help me make drinks, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I ended up doing one for Rick's Cabaret. Um, okay. And I was actually working on like a full concept upstairs that would be basically a speakeasy upstairs. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, and, and, I, and just so for listeners who don't know, it is a, it is a strip club. Strip club, yeah. Mm -hmm. Publicly traded uh, company, yep, strip right. club. Uh, but it was a really interesting concept. The idea was like uh, basically a violet hour or a cure upstairs from a strip club. Um, it didn't make a lot of economic sense for the strip club because it took away like the private dancing areas for the strip club. And obviously the general manager was like, this is a fucking terrible idea. Right, right, but the right. owner was like, we're doing it. We're doing it. Right. So they, they paid me. It was great. I, ch I ended up training Turk, uh, to bartend. Okay. Uh, and, uh, another lady named Sharon who actually worked with, uh, Alan Walter mm -hmm. at, um, what was it? Right? At Iris. At Iris. Yeah. yeah. Sharon from Iris, amazing yeah, person, great, great bartender. Um, and it just kind of fell apart, you know. But in the meantime, I had met Neil. Like, mm -hmm. basically, when I moved back, it was tails. I, mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to figure it out fast. If I move back the week of tails, I'll meet anyone that knows shit about any of this, right? Sorry. Um, no, it's all right. And it, We're podcasting. So only it now, happened. Yeah. yeah. Or Kirk, yeah. excuse me. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> um, uh, a friend of mine, Rob Cooper, uh, who made St. Germain, um, introduced me to Neil at a dinner uh, when Death & Company was doing a takeover at Stella. Mm -hmm. um, and we were introduced. And he yeah. was like, oh, this guy's working on a bar. 
in New yeah. Orleans. And I was like, oh, wow. You know? Yeah. And that was the moment. Yeah. And, that was, and then we went, we had a few coffees and like, and got to know each other. And, you know, we had that. So we ended up going into business together. Yeah. That was it. it, it literally. It, yeah, so Neil, uh, on that front, because I, yeah, I know we've touched pretty, on this a little bit pretty, before. It is but, like, if you think about what it would take today we, and what it took back then, it was like, hey, you want to do this? Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Yeah, yeah. I was like, like you got like, a fancy like, ice machine? Cool. Yeah, let's cool. do it. <laughs> right. So, it, and I mean, we've talked about this a little bit on the show before, but, you know, give us the quick version of, like, the, what brought you to that idea that you wanted yeah. to do this project here? So, so I was in 2001, right after 9-11, I moved to New York and I had these like big ideas that I was going to go get into advertising. Well, not knowing that New York was just, I mean, I knew what I was getting in that, that New York was going to be changed and altered after 9-11 and I was starting like a month after 9-11, but I didn't realize how messed up it was going to be. And of course I leaned back on what I knew how to do, which was restaurants. And I got a job on the Upper East Side and the restaurant that I worked in uh, was called the Atlantic Grill. It's no longer there, but it was there for a long time. And they were one of the first restaurant groups to hire a corporate mixologist, uh, my friend Evan Klim. And the reason why they chose it is in this will eventually, you know, we'll talk about this as we talk about Cure uh, later on in the, in the in the podcast. But like, they they thought that the Upper East Side was fertile ground to do classic cocktails because there had been a tradition and there still was a tradition. I mean, I remember there was a really famous writer whose name escapes me who would come in all the time and would order scotch old fashions and hmm. he just did it and he tipped a quarter and he was not our favorite guest. <laughs> 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 and, um, but, it, but it was but a quarter went a, a longer way in a 2002 quarter, yeah. <laughs> but it's still New York it's still New York so it goes shorter yeah. than it you would in New Orleans yes I could I could have bought a cigarette <laughs> one Lucy <laughs> one Lucy yeah so um, and it was it, it was it just I was a lot of it was like the right place at the right time I was really interested in spirits um, as much as I didn't think I wanted to do the work I liked the work and I was good at it and I kept coming back to it and you know Evan really took me under his wing and showed me classic cocktails would bring me to Bimmelman's bar where Audrey Saunders uh, was running the program she wasn't allowed behind the bar um, because they didn't allow women behind the yeah. bar at Bimmelman's yeah. um, and and he really just turned the light on for me and then uh, I went and I worked in clubs I worked for Danny Meyer and fine dining but I spent all my free time going to bars. And part of that was that I lived in an open floor plan, floor through space in on the edge of Chinatown in New York with my friend who worked during the day and I worked during night and I could not watch TV, I could not do anything when I was <laughs> off and I would only go to bed at 7 a.m. or 5 a.m. and yeah. I was like, guess I'm going to the bars. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and, I, and I found a, a love of, of cocktail bars and this was pre-Death um, & Company yeah. and, and, and it was like right as like employees only opened up. Okay. Uh, I was going out a lot during that time. I certainly, Milk & Honey, I spent a lot of time in Milk & Honey. Um, and, and Pegu had opened up, but a lot of it was just trying to seek out people that were doing it. I spent a lot of time at a bar called Grace that is long gone there, but it was a place where they made cocktails. Actually, Michael Neff used to work at Grace, and uh, I don't know if you've ever met Michael, but he's, uh -huh. he's one, of my, one of my favorite people in the biz, okay. like a bartender's bartender. Um, and that was like a late night cocktail bartender hangout. But that's, that's how I got into it. I saw it. 
I really saw what I wanted to do. And I remember when I first walked into employees only and I was like, God damn, this is really close to what I was thinking. Yeah. Right. And, and those guys were really generous, uh, with me. Um, you know, Jay and Igor, um, and, and just in general, like I kind of knew, knew what I wanted to do. And we were, you know, I thought I would do it in New York and then Katrina happened, you know, much like that was an inflection point for Kirk. It was an inflection point for me where I said, maybe it's time for me to go back because I had been trying to open a bar in New York that would in, and it just wasn't working because I didn't have the network there. And New York is a very hard place when you literally know nothing right. about no, opening, no, a right, right, opening a bar opening a bar. Yeah. And, um, and then when I got back here, it was easy. I could call an insurance agent that was, you know, that, that I knew I could call, um, you know, we could talk to real estate people. We could talk, we, we, there was yeah. just, there was a network the here. The connections that could, are a lot easier. You're from here. You yeah. know people and like, you know, that's it. I'm sorry. The that's connections like, yeah, just yeah, yeah. make a lot more sense here. Yeah. 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 I mean, everybody's one degree of separation yeah. here, right? Yeah. So yeah. everybody knows smaller, somebody that does yeah. something. Hey, do you know someone who does this? Yeah. Right. Hey, what does it look like to do? As opposed to like, I remember calling like, a real estate agent in New York and being like, Hey, I'm looking for a bar. And they're like, okay, great. What do you need? How many square foot? I was like, I don't know. And they were like, click. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's back when phones clicked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, um, and so I, I came down here, um, at the very, I like to say 2007 just for round numbers, but I came back, uh, for the holidays of 2006 and I quickly kind of thought about where I wanted to work and what would be the right place. And I ended up getting a job at Dela Chase. And mm. Dela Chase mm. uh, had and has a really awesome spirit selection. For sure. And I thought it was like just the right kind of place to work for me. Um, and it was a it was a neighborhood bar, and I liked I really liked that aspect of it. And I my first shift there was their Christmas party, which is a terrible first shift. I worked their Christmas party, and I was like, what the fuck did I just <laughs> sign up for? <laughs> and um, but I, but I had a really nice run there, and 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 it was it was. Um, Evan Hayes, who still owns it, and then his former partner, Ed Diaz, who owns Bartonique and Black mm -hmm, Penny. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I ended up working with them, and then eventually they went to open Bartonique. Um, and, I, and I told them when I went to work that I had planned to open what would eventually be Cure. Um, and, you know, I think that they knew it was going to be a long, you know, it's a long, hard road to open a bar in this town. And so they said, that's fine. You know, come on in, come on in. We've got a job for you. And, You've got some shifts yeah, upcoming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and sure enough, you know, that was that was the beginning of 2007, and we didn't uh, open the doors at Cure until you know February of 2009. That's so, right. so they were right. And so I also went down and helped them open Bartonique um, when they when they got that going. Um, and Kirk and I met, you know, at the Death and Company spirited dinner yeah. at Stella. And um, and hit it off, and it was kind of a kind of a handshake kind of thing, and and you know next thing you know, in the, in February two thousand nine, we're you know we're working together, yeah. and not that we knew a whole lot about each other no, at, at that point, but you know I'd say fifteen years later, it was uh we were we it were right out. to go into business together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? you, you've out. done well. Let's let's yeah. do this, you guys. Um, let's take a brief pause here, yeah. and then we'll come back and we'll talk about the, the opening of, of Cure and kind of where you guys found yourselves and. Mm -hmm and go from there. Okay, cool. sure. Friends, come on back. All 
All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Brian here with you. Thanks for joining me on the NOLA Drink Show. Happy to be here at Cure Friends. Happy to be sitting with my friends Kirk and Neil, the co-founders of Cure Co., which is now a co. We'll get to that in a little bit. It's not just Cure. Uh, we've talked a lot about Cure so far. and We've touched on Cane and Table, of course. But uh, let, let's move the story forward a little bit, guys. So 2009. Uh, and you managed to get Cure open, mm-hmm. and we, we got the whole backstory of that. Let me ask you this question. So being that you guys are both New Orleans guys, and we kind of teed this up at the beginning, but when you opened Cure then, kind of what was the vision? You've seen this stuff in Chicago. You've seen this stuff in New York. Uh, but then you, you've come from here, and we've established you know what the cocktail history is in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, was, it, was it very a, a conscientious decision to say, we're going to kind of marry these two worlds or how did you get, what was kind of the philosophy? I mean, I, and it was, I, it was I mean, novel it, here though. I mean, still, I, I, I mean ways, I'd be interested, right? I'd be interested to hear, you know, Kirk's thought because, you know, we're two different people with two different perspectives yeah. and it's like, you know, I, I thought it was really interesting because what we did is we took that early team that we all had different styles, yeah. right? You know, um, you know, Danny and Ricky had come from, from commanders, Rhiannon from, from Aaron Rose, uh, Max from Bar Five Day, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Turk from Cannons, <laughs> yeah. you know, Mike Mike Yusko from God knows, you know, Bar New York Bar, bar somewhere, <laughs> uh, Bar Bar Veloce, yeah, yeah. you know, and it was like, and we all we all did things a little bit differently, and we didn't see eye to eye on a lot of stuff, for sure. And, and we spent, you know, we would meet every week, and I, and we would go over drinks and we would go over philosophy yeah and we would argue for sure a lot yeah and to and, and what came out of that was a consistent cure style that okay. was a lot of violet hour mm-hmm. a, you know a lot of new york mm-hmm. a lot of new orleans mm-hmm. and together there was this cohesive thing it became cohesive but it didn't start as cohesive it started yeah. as like a lot of arguing so yeah. like when if if I had walked in here week one when Cure opened, uh-huh. what I would get would depend on who the bartender was. A little. I mean, but, we had a menu. Okay. Um, yeah, we had a menu. Yeah, I mean, I mean okay. <laughs> if you had walked in here and and said, "I want something off menu," yeah. all bets were off. Yeah. Who okay. knows? Okay. For gotcha. real. Yeah. Okay. For real. All, who so knows? you had your ten house cocktails or whatever it was mm-hmm. on the menu, and then it was just kind of whatever. Okay. Yeah. yeah, 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 and different amounts of ego about how they wanted, how we wanted to sell you on that mm-hmm. experience. You know? so, so then, you, so you guys were very conscientious then of the idea that you wanted to create a cure style and you wanted some ha- harmony and homogeneity with how people did things. I mean, I think me and Neil both understand that like you need some like consistency in your place, like and like it's kind of a nightmare to have like 20 people doing different things, you know, behind the bar all the time. And I think we always knew that it needed to get there, but it takes time. Uh, you're also like working with a bunch of creatives, right? And mm-hmm. like, you know, like it's really, it's a difficult, that's a difficult thing to manage, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And it, it really was that, is that it was like, I think we were looking for, to make some things standard, mm-hmm. right? The things that were on the menu had to be standard for us Correct. right we had to say okay we're doing all of this the same way but then part of it and you know people didn't understand in the beginning why we were crediting people on the menu and there were a lot of different reasons for that 
But it was also, you know, one of the biggest was that we wanted to show people that different people had different styles. Okay. So right. crediting your, your bartending team, Correct. they yeah, came yeah. up with a cocktail. cocktail. Absolutely. Okay. And, yeah. and, and that they had different styles. This was their style. And what you might find is you might come in and you might have an amazing rapport with Kirk at the bar, but you really might like Danny Valdez's drinks. Yeah. And then next time you came in, you'd be like, oh, hey, oh, you're Danny. Yeah, I've had your drinks. Yeah. They're really awesome. You know, and you would have an instant connection. And so the goal was, and, and this is just happens in bars all the time where people would walk in, they don't see the bartender that they know or they like, they'll just walk out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? True. And, and, so, and at the yeah. time then at Cure, I think it was like people didn't really understand that that was the, like, that, that everybody could make those drinks. Mm -hmm. Like it was very like still, I think people still thought like it was bartender specific. Mm -hmm. And like we really had to fight against that. Like personally as a bartender, I'd have to be like, no, you got to check out so-and-so and this person. Like, I would always talk up the other bartenders because, exactly, you'd have someone that, like, really trusted you as a drink maker but wasn't really sure that that was what Cure was like all the time. So, mm -hmm. you know? Well, and, and that was what Cure solved for, right? Yeah. And it's not that you couldn't get a great drink before Cure existed. You, if you were at the right night, at the right bar, with the right bartender, you could have every bit as good if not better experience and you could have a cure agreed our goal was to make sure that seven nights a week you could have a top-notch experience yeah. whoever was behind the bar whoever no was so, so that's what was different than about what was going on in new orleans and then when you're bringing stuff say from violet hour and experiences in yeah. new york and things like that you're bringing that and kind of overlaying that on yeah. what was happening but here also understanding that a lot of the shit that like went well in chicago and new york would get run over not in work here yeah, yeah, I, mean, right? yeah. I, I think like, we innately understood that as new orleanians yeah mm -hmm. that we were like hey like we can't like just run a speakeasy where right where you where people line up or and we you tell this. everybody what to do and yeah blah, 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 and, it just like, and, and we tried some of that stuff in the early days and yeah. it was it was rough rough <laughs> and and we and we loosened up over time um and and, and i think it was the right decision i yeah. know it was the right yeah. decision i think some of the the things that we really stuck hard to in the beginning are were necessary at the time mm -hmm. but i think that as as time went on we realized that mm -hmm. we didn't need to do the cer certain policies and rules yeah I, I think it's really interesting because you know i think maybe hindsight or people who weren't familiar with the origins of cure and what was going on in new orleans and all these things that we're talking about during the interview you might think oh sure cure it's just a logical part of the landscape in new orleans because of the reputation the the, the history the city has hosting tales of the cocktail so on and so forth but it was a rather novel thing that you guys I, did here i thought we were gonna go to business for yeah sure. i think most people did <laughs> yeah, right yeah mm -hmm. i, I mean, think everyone i talked to thought we were gonna go out of business yeah <laughs> first and, year. and i really wasn't sure and on and honestly i think most people that walk i think Okay, maybe most people's a little extreme, but I, I would tell you at least 50% of the people that walked into Cure walked in and were like, this place sucks in the first year. Yeah. And, and just because it was just a foreign concept? It was so concept different. And, okay. It was so different. And look, we have gotten so much better at production yeah. 15 years later. We, have, we, we were trying to do a high-touch experience at volume, and, and, and that can create some problems, Hell right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and it was... It was hard to get a drink. We didn't have all of the brands that people were used to. You know, it was so interesting back then that you'd be like, someone would come in and be like, give me a Jack and Coke. Well, well actually, we don't have Jack, which we do today. Uh, but at the, at the time, we really wanted to break people's automatic orders. 
And so because people would say Jack and Coke, they'd say uh, Grey Goose and Soda, they'd say Seven and Seven. Right. And so at which point you're just a bar, <laughs> right, you know, right, like, right, you know? right? Exactly. You and can so go we anywhere. Like, we're going to break that <laughs> so that people come into our world. And some people were like, Hell no, hell with this. <laughs> we're not doing this. We're yeah. not interested. Yeah. I just want a bar. Yeah. But we weren't. We, we were resolute with what we wanted to do. For and sure. I think we saw the future, but I wasn't sure if we were going to get to the future. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we understood that, like, well, I think some of us understood that, like, being gracious in that experience was necessary, and some of us didn't, Correct. you know? I think, I think, I, I had a lot of experience with that in Chicago, because we, we basically did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, we were, like, open up this bar that was, like, high-end cocktails, tons of touches. Now, there was rules, and we controlled the door, so it was a lot easier to deliver that experience for everybody. And people in Chicago were happy to wait in line for an hour to get a drink, you know? That's another thing um, that won't fly which in this is city, less, right? That's exactly right. right. Yeah. Like, we were not... We knew that. We knew we're that. Like, like, people were going to split. going to do it, yep. right? Yeah. Um, but I think, like... You, you, part of it is understanding that like this is a new thing for people so this, there, you, there's amount of like gracious behavior is required from the bar staff right and the, and the service staff and also the offering needs to be uncomplicated in the beginning like the drink list doesn't have to be like insanely intense whereas bartenders are always want to like go insane and do the craziest drinks in the universe really in my opinion the best way to get a, a program off the ground is like tasty 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 like don't worry about is it cool or fucking does did it you pass your advanced bottles? garnish right, class yeah 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 <laughs> no is it really tasty because if it's really tasty boom you can you win right, right someone takes right. a drink and they're like oh this is really good even if it's small in their eyes or whatever you know the, they learn that it's not you know like a lot of people were like thought the drinks were really tiny you yeah, know because, like in the coop because you know? the cold well the coop because martini glasses were so much bigger. Back yeah, everybody then. had those right. giant and ones. Then, and yeah. then people didn't understand ice displacement, you know, um, liquid displacement because of the ice. So we had the big cold draft cubes. Yep. And the liquid didn't do the same thing that it does at like Miss Mays, right? right. With right. a bunch of you know, <laughs> ice. In I there, like to you know? say this, and this is nothing against Miss Mays. This, I'm just using just them a as, different a, as a general yeah, sure. style of bar, like. Yep. The drinks are as expensive at Miss May's per ounce as they are at Cure. Correct. It, the the difference is liquid displacement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But you also have to be like willing to say, and and we did this a lot. Willing to say no, I'm not filling this glass. Mm-hmm. Like it, this is a cocktail and it fits in this glass with this ice and it gets this full and that's just how it is. And these proportions are right. proper. Because yeah. we could have been like, oh shit, and panicked and then like mm-hmm. did whatever to make it full, right? And a lot of people end up doing that. They get afraid and they're like, we got to just I mean, do we whatever. Were, I, I mean, honestly, I, I, you know, really the story of Cure is youth and stupidity and being like, <laughs> yeah. and being like dumb and stubborn enough to be like, we're gonna do it this yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. It's and gonna we, happen. And if, and, and if it doesn't, we're and if it doesn't, doesn't, yeah. If yeah. it doesn't, then you know, then <laughs> That's we were the wrong. I die on, yeah. We're, yeah, yeah, but exactly. like, but we were pretty freaking resolute. Yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think also like the thing I always understood, and I mean, me and Neil talk about it all the time. But in New Orleans, if you can make it and like you know stick it out for five, ten years in a in a really restaurant in New Orleans, like you can really become like the Galatoires of the future, right? Um, People in New Orleans like love you once they feel you, right? Mm -hmm. Like once they understand you and feel like, okay, you're not just some jerk from New York telling me what's cool. Like you live here and you're doing this thing, right? Once that comes in, I think people will be, you know, sad to see you go, right? And I think that's something I understood. Like if we could just get 
stick it out for long enough that like we became someone that is trustable. Um, I think that you have a really long career here. Um, it's a lot easier to do that than it is in a lot of other cities. Like mm-hmm. a lot of other cities grind up stuff well, like that. And like, leases you know? and mm-hmm. I mean like, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, in, Real in New York, you got five years, right? Right. Yeah. And then and that's, and that's the, and that's part of the business model. Right. I yeah, mean, right. that's the understanding exactly. of the business model. Mm-hmm. And I, you, I mean, you've touched on several key things because I think, you know, we have a history of a, of a generational hospitality mm-hmm. industry mm-hmm. here. We have this long standing cocktail history here, culinary history here. I, I remember there, and I won't name names because it's a bartender that I'm sure you guys know. And, and I'll call He's a friend. Uh, but when he first <laughs> moved from New York and was working at the old two Jags, uh-huh. And the whole attitude when and this was the first time I met him, we w- walk in there, you know, and you go into two Jags to go drink like a Sazerac or a Grasshopper or whatever, and you know have pretty strong drinks, and you have five cocktails, and it's like, what's your bill? And they kind of look at fifteen bucks, and you're like, okay, here you go, here's thirty, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But his whole mo was like, I'm going to teach this place something, both the restaurant bar as well as the city, and I'm like. Mm-mm. That's a I'm tough like, way to do it. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's a hard entry, Kirk. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And I mean, yeah. not that you don't, that you can't bring something new to the table here. I think this place is very receptive to that. But when you come in with this attitude that I'm going to teach New Orleans or I'm going to teach a 150 year old restaurant something is not the best attitude to start on day one. It's a, it's a tricky way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that you can do that, but you have to do it like with graciousness and respect for like where you are. Uh, understanding and, 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 your like, context. People yeah. will come around to you if you're mm-hmm. not a jerk. You know, yeah, but it takes time. It does. You know? It sure does. What with when you guys opened up, like you were talking about Miss Mays with the price point. Um, was there a battle of perception of price point in here? Hundred yeah. percent. And yeah. it's insane because we were so cheap. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like you uh, see the original menu, I was like, oh my god, how? <laughs> what? Yeah, it, it was like eight and nine dollar drinks. People were like, what? the fuck yeah. is exactly. going on here? Yeah. Like and like in what, a coop. So so what comes with that? Does anything else come with that? And mm-hmm. we were like, nope, just yeah. that, just yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> a lime wedge. Yeah. And, and also, we and also we were, you know, we were non-smoking too. Yeah, we, we were voluntarily non-smoking. Right. non-smoking. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. And and people were like, wait, what? Yeah. I can't smoke in here. And it was nice. You know, it, it was, was really nice. nice. We opened up a nice place. And like, I think that there's a lot of, there are a lot of people, and and I will say this, I find that mostly people that are not from here that now claim to be from here, like really have a hard time with nice stuff in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. And it's really Mm -hmm. irritating to me as a person from New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, But I feel like that, that like dinged us in some ways. People are like, well, it's nice. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, fuck. What do you want us to do? You know, like, <laughs> like that's a bad thing. I get you. Uh, okay, yeah, like yeah, we yeah. live here. Okay, like we can have nice. We things can have too. nice things. Everything right? doesn't have yeah. to be the same. You know, it's right. cool. I love the saint too. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, it really, that's something that's always like kind of resonated with me here. It's like there's a part of like people like want to like really hate on nice stuff in New Orleans. Sometimes I think that's changed mm-hmm. a lot from back then. But it, like, I mean, it really took a year. And it took a lot of the people that weren't from here. There was like a group of people that were from here that really longed for like classic drinks and a place to drink them. Mm -hmm. And then there were a bunch of people back when the film business was big that were like, oh my God, I've got a bar like this in Los Angeles and in New York or in Chicago, just like this, like I feel great here. Yeah. And really in some ways, when we started getting recognized from outside of the city That's when, is when people from correct. inside were like, well, maybe I didn't have this thing right. Yeah. So we almost, because we were so green, we, we didn't have public relations. We didn't have anything. We didn't know how to tell our story. 
And so people walked in, they're like, oh, it's just a bar. And they would like walk in and they'd be like, wait, 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 what is this? What are you doing? Yeah. And they were, they were never in a good headspace to even understand what we were doing because we couldn't communicate that to them. Yeah. True. You do have to educate the customer, right? Yeah. And in well, some at the of time, these instances, there wasn't really and, like a lot of drinks press. I mean, it yeah. was just starting, right? You know? mm-hmm. Right. If people don't know what's out there, they don't know what's out there. That's right. And yeah. I think that uh, you see this. Uh, I think this happens in this. It happens in all kinds of industries, right? Where people just don't know what's out there, and you can't expect people to know things that we, they don't know. We had <laughs> never set expectations for what we were, Correct. what we were going to be. We didn't know how to really put it you know, put it into words appropriately until other people helped us. And then that really helped people say, oh, I know what I'm going to cure for. And then that's when the tide really turned for us. Agreed. Okay. Let's do this, guys. Let's take a little break and we'll come back and uh, pick the story right back up. Come on back, friends. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Brian here with you. Thanks for joining me on the NOLA Drink Show. And uh, thanks to my friends Kirk and Neil, the co-founders of Cure Co. We're sitting here upstairs at Cure. Guys, I had no idea there was an upstairs at Cure in all the years that I've been coming here until today. Well, it's very glamorous. So it's, it's thank very, you. It's, it's radio. We're doing our, radio, so in, we're good. It's beautiful up here. Crappy speakeasy <laughs> up here. <laughs> there will be some pictures on social media, but we'll, we'll, we'll post some photos yeah, well, downstairs you guys, like, after. blur the backgrounds yeah, right. for like, the white walls and the computers <laughs> and, the, and, and the giant stack of Weller. Yeah. <laughs> the giant stack of Weller. That's like, uh, like yeah. what you said. Mount, Mount Weller. Yeah, I was actually wondering if this was where you were hiding all the chartreuse mm-hmm. for a while as we no, went dry. No. In town. A little bit up here for a little There's while. some interesting, there, there's some like interesting nicks and, you know, like, you know, knickknacks up here. Like there's like uh, some old wild turkey rye like under my desk label. and some old, um, there's yeah, some more Rittenhouse too, right? A bunch of Rittenhouse. Mm. Um, the uh, oh my god, the the uh, Tanqueray Malacca from 2011. I, got I don't a, even like, know what three bottles that of that. Like, there's some just weirdies that are like hanging around. A bunch of Guillaume Pantaro, and that's not even made anymore. <laughs> yeah, just uh, like every now and then we just squirrel stuff away, and then and then. Five years later, we're like, we got to do something with this. Yeah, do you guys nice, have like, any, a Mayor Pecan up here by chance? Oh, wait, oh, there, there's an open bottle of the. Yeah, it's it's dead. Oh. You know, there's some Mayor Pecan <laughs> at that little restaurant uh, in the Point. Um, oh, really? Tantis. So it's back in the market here. I don't know. Or has it just been the normal? They may bottle? had okay. old bottles. There was like four mm. behind the bar, and I was like, ooh, what? Yeah, the, but there's what are like those that, that thing there? that like Mayor Pecan is not a Mayor Pecan. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. If, I didn't check on yeah. it, but it looked like the real Americana. I was like, oh, what yeah? is that doing here? Oh, very interesting. So, yeah, that I was sounds like, like maybe brought it. back from Italy or something. Yeah, and yeah. I, I had actually never had it until I was in Italy in April, and I'm like, I'm trying that right now. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Like yeah. The, we used to be able to get it. Yeah. There, there was a moment where it was around, like the yeah. hot stuff. I mean, I mean, that's I'm that sorry. bottle. Sorry. Yeah. Like the right 90 there. proof or, whatever, or mm-hmm. 80. I forget what the mm-hmm. proof was. Mm-hmm. It was good. So, you guys, let me. We'll talk about. I want to talk about some of the other um, hospitality spots that you have, but but briefly because uh, Neil, I think you were touching on this before we went and took a break. What was it kind of like? And we'll just do this kind of short. But when you guys sort of so you had all this going on, you got yourselves established, you made it, you survived your first year a little bit longer, and then you guys started getting, as we noted earlier, national and international recognition. And you know, 
I guess there's a validation that must have come with that. Or how did that kind of feel to you guys? Like, you know, and you were talking about how the context helped other people helped you explain what cure is. I think that's some of these people, right. That we're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, you know, once again, I'd be curious to hear it from, from Kirk's <laughs> mouth too, because I think that we, that, you know, that we're different people with different experiences. And like, I, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, First of all, I was like really happy that we didn't go out of business. Yeah, that's a good one. There were like a lot of there's a win. There were a lot of loans (laughs) on the building and on the bar, and we were just like, and I I just felt that there were a lot of people that didn't think we could do this, and so I I think that once it started going and Ferret started to really um, to build up around us, I think that was very validating because I, I think that we took a big chance on a commercial corridor that was totally flooded out. Mm -hmm. um and and had been really dangerous i mean someone had been shot and killed on the corner of upper line and ferret like a month before we bought the building in 2008. Mm -hmm. so like we there nothing was guaranteed that this thing was going to be successful in fact i think we there was probably a better shot that it wouldn't have been um so i think that that was i think a lot of it was just relief but i don't think we ever really rested on our laurels and reflected at all because i just think we were like doing our job and i think we still had stuff i don't i don't know i don't know if you know stuff to prove is the right thing i just think we had stuff we wanted to do yeah okay and i always felt like that and you know kirk is a real creative i'm like a half creative you know and (laughs) and 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 i think that like um that we just and i still i mean i i still feel like there's stuff that i that i want to do that i want to express stuff i'm interested in yeah and and I think that's kind of what keeps me going today, just like it did, you know, when Cure started to become successful. Is that, that you know, we're not one-dimensional people. We're not just cocktail robots. We want to do, you know, we want to do stuff that we think is good, that makes the city better, or makes wherever we are better. Yeah. But yeah. It, it had to feel good, though, like when you started being I, recognized by your yeah. peers that I were think, already lionized in the industry, yeah. right? I think the 100%. press is a nice reminder of the work you're doing, right? Like, and like... It feels good to be, you know, there there are moments when you feel like lionized in this situation, right? Where you're like, all right, these are my heroes. And like, then you start to feel peers with your heroes. And that is a very satisfying situation, mm-hmm. right? Obviously. Um, but it's also just kind of part of the business and like the job, right? Like, so you, there's a lot of press that we've done that is great for the business, but I don't really have any emotional feelings about it, to be honest. It's just mm-hmm. like part of like what I have to do. And then there are moments where I, it's a reflection on like what I've done and how it feels and what we've done and, what, and how things are going that are nice, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I don't think if you, I think if you get sucked up into the like how the press makes you feel a lot, it's dangerous, personally. I'm very um, anti like personal brand kind mm-hmm. of aspects okay. I, I i feel like it's just a trap um so what maybe more your peers for your then, business right? yeah you know but mm-hmm. it's but it's really more like i i want to feel on par with the people i respect because i mm-hmm. believe that my work is on par right and yeah. like okay. that's like to me that is the win right beyond that you know there's the you know you make money but you gotta do that um, so your faction is internal and yeah, not external. Exactly. Right. And that's kind of, you know, and well, I probably so. should have phrased the question a little better, not really so much talking about media, but talking about your industry peers. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. And, I mean, yeah. I mean, that was great. Right. I mean, it was, 
it was great that the, the people that we knew and liked or respected were like, we think this is good. Yeah. And because we thought it was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And then in, in that, and that is always validating, but you know, I mean, ultimately this, and uh, I don't like the sport, but I love this analogy is I really believe that what we do is like golf. It's not about what other people are doing. It's about what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that Kirk and I share that. It's like, we're not looking around like, oh, what are they doing? What are they doing? What are they doing? We were more concerned about the work that we were doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe that's, you know, self-involved, but I think it's just always the way that we've been. Part I think of your we're success. both like, yeah, mm-hmm. I think we're both leery of trends. Um, and I think that it's a dangerous business to be involved in trends. You know, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. you know I used to play music and like I was with trends but like you're either on the fucking boat or off right and like if you miss the trend then you look like a fool Mm -hmm. and if you got too early then you don't get the credit so Mm -hmm. it doesn't really make sense to chase those trends it makes sense to chase what you think makes sense for you to do right Mm -hmm. what do you feel compelled to do do that as best you can you you can't look bad on that they can't look back on that and been like i made mistakes right it just just doesn't make sense quality work is quality work right i was was just gonna say because and we kind of touched on this from a different angle but i think new orleans helps you with that yeah 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 oh yeah Yeah, definitely because it's more of a and and a longer term view of culinary culture and drink culture and things like that that we have here as opposed to just burn bright guys have have you guys had the do you guys uh, have the uh the like Shalmet ways voice. Have you guys, have you guys seen that? No, uh-huh. it's, it's incredible. And you just know that someone is going to walk in and be like, what the fuck is that? Right. <laughs> that will always ground you in this. Right, 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 right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's perfect. Well, well so for, guys- for anybody listening that doesn't have the Shalmet ways voice, it is, hundred percent worth it. Yeah. Uh, my wife, lovely wife, who's sitting here, is from Araby. I have okay. the shell. I have the parish voice all the time at home every day. Yeah, yeah. That is, <laughs> that's where Kia's family is from uh, too. Uh, from and I'm not from being yelled at to make parish. a right turn. It's something yeah. else. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard that. Heard that. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys, uh, I mentioned this, and we'll, we'll wrap things up here pretty quick. But um, I did say this earlier in the interview that you know it started out as Kira, now it's Kira Co. You're a Co. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we. Mentioned Cane and Table that's celebrating the 10 year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank on you, it's thank like one you. of those ones where I'm like, damn, because I was there at the beginning. And so, it's, yeah, and it goes years. fast. It yeah. goes fast. You know? And then you have uh, Peychaud's here in town. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Val's and Peychaud's. You guys tell me about these these spaces that we didn't touch on besides yeah, Cane and, and Table. And, 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 and so, you know, Cure Co. is short for Cure Collective. Yeah. Right? And Cure is always. Thank reminding me of that. Yeah. And, 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 and Cure has always been a collective. I mean, in you know, we are a. a a sum of our parts like we are I, I think that and I've, I think we've always believed this that like together we can do a whole lot more than we can do individually yeah and and that is it's a deep part of our philosophy um, and we've done a lot of projects and they're they're all different they're all different partnerships and so cure it's a loose group you know Curco yeah. probably has like what like a handful of employees yeah right but it doesn't like really do it, it does like a little <laughs> bit of management but Kirko is just a way that we can like that that we can talk about the the relationship between these different I- entities that were that were that Involved, we're part of yeah mm-hmm. and and but really Kirko is you know it's a company that that kirk and i have that is you know that is that is management and and consulting and bar design and and that's and and that's really what you know 
it's, you know, I mean, I would say that we really started Kirko, you know, I don't know, 13 years ago yeah. in name, but mm -hmm. not really, you know, there wasn't like an entity behind it. And now it's just like, we've got a, got a, a better name for it, a better idea of what it does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's been a journey to get there. I'm sure every time you open a new place, it's scary and challenging, but you do have some some track record here. Well, and they all need different yeah. things and they have different partners that want different things. That's and right. so, you know, for us, it's, it's figuring out what people want, but what we don't want is we don't want some, and what we've learned is we don't want some sort of like large management um, structure over all of it. Okay. Yeah. Yep. It just doesn't make sense to do that in my opinion, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. with the disparate amount of partners and how it works, like Neil said, everybody wants a little something different. And also like everybody has their own specialty or what they're good at and what they're pushing at. And if you try to like corral that into like one thing, I, I really think it'd be disastrous mm -hmm. for like what we do, mm -hmm. you know? That makes yeah. sense. So, so Peixos, uh in the French Quarter yeah. on Toulouse. Mm -hmm. Correct. Vals. Correct. Right yeah. around here. Yeah. Uh, right down the block. Right down the block. Mm -hmm. And uh, Cure Co. at the at MSY at the New Orleans. So yeah, yeah, Cure MSY, which yeah. we licensed to, H to HMS Host, which is who is the, the who, who's one of the two vendors yep. that operates in the airport. Yeah. And a, a pro tip for anybody out there, if you're looking for chartreuse, if it goes dry in the city, it's at the airport. It's probably there. That's, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, it the was VEP, all of it. <laughs> the price of admission to get to it. We right. spend a lot of time and effort trying to get things consistent out there um, in our consulting role. And uh, but the one thing that I know, you know, come hell or high water, you will be able to drink an amazing spirit at Cure MSY. That's right. There's if you go out there, like there is chartreuse. When you know there is chartreuse VEP on that back bar. There is. And it is, and it is, and there's more where that came from. That's what I, I you know, it's funny because I know, be very brief. Sylvia and I went to Uncle Nearest, brought us up to Tennessee a few oh, weeks nice. ago, and we were in the airport. And this is when we were dry of chartreuse in the city, other than a few of those special people with their allocations, uh -huh. uh, and you guys, and, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, Hannah, uh, and maybe one or two other folks. And, and I'm like, no, now I know where all the chartreuse is. Well, <laughs> it's been there for it, years. It's been there, it's been there <laughs> since, We had this whole conversation since, about the, since, the uh, yeah, 2019, the vendor and everything yeah. else. Yeah. yeah, and they 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 just it was part of the opening purchase, and as the world shut down and supplies and glass and all the things that have plagued us since 2020, you know there was this amazing vault of chartreuse sitting at the airport. Yeah, it's incredible, and I, yeah. I've, I've explained it to people since because they've seen it, and I'm like they can't because of the structure of the business that can't be transferred. Yeah, anywhere. Oh, oh trust me, I, we asked. Yeah, I, we I'm sure like, you did. <laughs> we were like, we'll pay more than you paid for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they were like, we can't figure out the yeah, accounting they, on this. They, like, play, <laughs> they play a big game. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe pour a little Midori in the green chartreuse <laughs> yeah. bottle and swap them out. <laughs> So yeah, and then <laughs> and, and then we're part of um part of a restaurant in DC called called Dauphine's right, um and I'm trying to think well we haven't talked about Cane and Table yeah we talked about it a little bit yeah but Cane and Table is our main baby now mm -hmm. yeah ten our, years our other one yeah, yeah. ten years uh, in the French Quarter it's our really like our our like nice restaurant version of mm -hmm. Cure basically yeah but it's lovely it, I love it it's incredible and and Kirk spends a lot of time at Cane and Table. And I spend a very little bit of time at Cana Table, so every time I go there, I'm like, God, this place is so good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Same mm -hmm. goes yeah. for me here. Sure. What, um, so tell us real quick. Well, also, too, I'm sitting here with two co-authors. I said authors, oh, and, yeah. then, and then you said yeah. co-authors, yeah. so uh, I'm just using what you said. But uh, tell us about 
your book Kirk that's still yeah. available so and- I still have uh, beta cocktails it's a it's a collection of like kind of odd cocktails uh, with like weird bitter bases or like interesting things uh, that me and a friend Max Pazuniak who owns a great bar in New York that's actually seven years mm-hmm. I think today or next yeah. week I was talking um, to Al the other day about yeah about a uh, punch it's crazy um, but um, we put together this book as a sort of like thing in the industry that did really well. It was like the number one seller at, at Tales for a couple of years. Uh, and it is still available online if you look for it. Beta Cocktails, you order it direct um, uh, direct printing. Nothing gotcha. fancy, but it's cool if you're looking for it. Yeah, I mean, you could probably read 12 punch articles that have been written about how influential Rogue Cocktails and Beta. Yeah, we've had a lot of press really over cool. it over the last 10 years, you know. Don't, it sounds like you're cleaning up a Cocktail Kingdom, too, with it, huh? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like, okay. I mean, someone buys a lot of them uh, every year, and I don't know who it is. <laughs> yeah. um, but Do you we think they, like, resell them? You think they buy them and resell them? I think them? someone's reselling them, yeah. Yeah, I think I know that uh, Barkeeper in Silver Lake was buying them, mm-hmm. and there was a place in Boston, the Boston Shaker. Yeah, I They were buying they were them it. constantly and And they've been doing it since, you know, since, yeah, since, since the early in the days day, right? and, which, and beta is now 10 years old this year mm-hmm. um, so like it's it's a cool like cult classic cocktail book at this point you know uh, it, maybe it'll be like thousands of dollars in the future like when 100 years from now <laughs> there was only like only so many made you know um, but it's been it's it was a fun project you know very cool. Yeah. yeah, the drinks are awesome. They are really, really good awesome. Drinks, cool. Yeah. I love I love bitter based drinks. Anyway, that'll be a yeah. conversation for another time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Neil, Cure. You wrote a book called Cure. Called Cure: New Orleans Drinks and How to Mix Them. Yep. And the reason why it's named that is because we use Stanley Clisby Arthur um, as kind of the guide through because because Clisby Arthur was the first. Um, however, you know, uh, you know, he wasn't the most, you know accurate narrator but he really was the first to put everything together yeah in in the new orleans canon in the 30s is that when that book in the 30s in the late 30s 37 38 yeah yeah Yeah. Um, i like the walking tour book yeah i read that one it's great no Mm -hmm. i know i have the clisby book but yeah and and so and so we um published that got it went to printed just over a year ago Mm -hmm. uh at, at the end of october and it's been a fun run and uh it was a finalist for the james beard award and we lost to Toby Maloney, and yeah. it was good because <laughs> without Toby Maloney, there would cure, be no cure. Yeah. Um, and uh, it was and then, definitely funny. And, yeah, I mean, I, I told Toby after I was like, Whew, "Thank God, man, I wouldn't have felt right about that." No. <laughs> that kind of brought that full circle. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. truly. And um, and then uh, and then it won an um, an IACP cookbook right. award. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Cool. Just, Congratulations. Just recently, okay. which is awesome. Uh, I didn't know it existed, and I was supposed to be up there, and I had to cancel. And it was the day that Brooklyn flooded, and they were oh, the awards yeah. were, were in Brooklyn, so I was actually kind of happy I wasn't yeah, there. You lucked out. Okay. Yeah, and you still got the award. Yeah, right. it was so, great. It was Maybe great. if I just don't show, I'll get the award. <laughs> uh, so, um, but and yeah, it's been it's been fun. There are a lot of Kirk drinks. In that book, as For you sure. can imagine, you mm-hmm. know, uh, I'll say this, and uh, Kirk Kirk's heard, heard me say it before. Um, you know, the most naturally gifted drink creator that <laughs> I've ever seen is Kirkus Dopenall. 
this guy it's like he I just like that, pulls stuff out of the air and he's like oh yeah this is good this will work yeah like <laughs> first time and everybody's like man fuck you kirk I'm not a, you know, I, i've never been a big editor <laughs> like it's like you make the drink you change one thing is it good no throw it away start no, over not workshopping I, it. i'm not a big i don't feel like you get good results some people do i don't i i feel like i just destroy my drinks for editing them got it you know it's really interesting we just we probably put together our most ambitious menu downstairs at, at Cure that we've done in a long time. And we, we always have this like drinks we love section that's like mm-hmm. some classics, obscure classics, old Cure drinks. And, uh, and we put on what I think is the first like smash hit cocktail we had. It was one of Kirk's cocktails called the Union Jack Rose oh, that yeah. was like a Jack Rose that was split with, 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 uh, with gin, apple brandy, uh, house-made grenadine and orange bitters and mint mm. and it is like it it, it still holds up yeah. i was like it's like candy yeah i, I so tasty i had like one candy. and i was like god man i, I yeah. thank god we had this drink <laughs> we, i remember like I know what would have happened if had you not uh, made the, the uh, union jack rose yeah. now i know what i'm ordering when we go downstairs because yeah. after we wrap old, this up yeah. i'm going downstairs yeah. i remember <laughs> fighting with rhiannon about like whether or not one mint of leaf one mint leaf did anything in a drink. I remember. She was like, it doesn't do anything. And I was like, make one without and make one with. I remember. I, it, like, like that it was really the kind of does. stuff that we would like spend Arguing. all of our yeah, time yeah, arguing yeah. about and talking about that really created, that really created style. Yeah. And culture. And, you know, it was like, oh, does one mint leaf work? Does it not work? What happens when you throw a grapefruit peel and yeah, yeah. a pinch of salt? And it was just like, and, it, and these were like knockout, drag out, yeah. arguments and then eventually some people would see you know would see it from the other person's perspective and we would kind of agree on style yeah interesting well you guys before we go real quick can you what's the easiest way for people to connect with the venues like online or you know um i mean i think i think instagram is always easy because it okay. kind of brings you yeah um so at curanola at canaan table uh and yep. at val's nola uh, at Peixos, um, Nola, I think at Peixos, Nola. You know, see. you know, yeah. we'll do. Here, you don't even worry about it. friends. If you're listening out there, in the show notes, we will have links to all the Instagram accounts. Yeah. How's that? Yeah, that and sounds then, great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you search for them, you'll find, you'll find them. them. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> you can just go to mine at Neil Bodie, and it has them all listed. Yeah. Um, you can listen to Kirk play guitar. Yeah, if it, you go to mine, you're just going to hear me play guitar. It's Kirk's corn tunes, <laughs> cool. you know. It's <laughs> corn tunes. Yeah, yeah. That's my, that's my uh, Instagram for coronavirus. Oh, nice. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, you guys, I really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure. It's, it's a pleasure yeah. to have you both in the same room. Yes, and, and yeah, After all this time. so Absolutely. And good to see you both. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you for you. having us. Yeah. As always. Friends of Brief Musical Owner Lude, and I'll be back to close things out. All right, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening to the show, friends. Happy to have had you here. Thanks to Neil and Kirk and the whole gang there at Cure for the terrific hospitality. Uh, we got to hang around for a little while after, enjoy a couple beverages at the bar. Just such a great program. If you've never been there, 
there on Ferret Street uptown in New Orleans. Go check them out. Also, go check out all their other places uh, scattered throughout the city, as well as Dauphine up there in Washington, D.C., if you're in that neck of the woods. And, of course, a cure at the airport. If you're flying in or out of town, go check them out, too. Uh, as we mentioned during the interview, uh, because it was kind of hard to run down, if you go to the show notes, just go to noladrinks.com. You'll see the episode at the top of our homepage. Uh, we'll have links to all of their Instagram accounts for all the uh, different establishments there for you to easily find them. And uh, looking forward to the 10th anniversary celebration for Cane and Table in a couple weeks. And certainly looking forward to next year's 15th anniversary programming. I'm going to put it that way for Cure. It'll be a lot of fun as well. They're cooking up some cool ideas. Nothing firm yet, but I think they're going to do some cool stuff kind of throughout the year or throughout a chunk of the year anyway, to celebrate Cure's 15th anniversary. Friends, we're working on a couple things. Going to be bringing you some new shows, probably a couple more or so, before we uh, close out the year here in 2023. Uh, So stay tuned for that. Certainly won't drop another one until after Thanksgiving. So if you are here in the United States, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Thanks again for being a supporter of the NOLA Drink Show. And uh, hey, we'll talk to you, I'm going to say probably December. And, uh, you know, as I always like to close the show, remember to be kind to one another. Use your turn signal. Put your shopping cart up, and when you're supposed to, hit reply all. Until next time, cheers, y'all.